The Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast is sponsored by Prairie Care. You know, going through the process of getting help with your mental health can be very overwhelming. I definitely know that from firsthand experience. Prairie Care can help guide you through it and get you in touch with the help that you need. They've been offering mental health services to all ages in the Twin Cities of Minnesota since 2005. Whether you're looking for clinical services, a specialty outpatient program, or a more intensive level of care like inpatient treatment, Prairie Care has you and your family covered. Visit prairie-care.com to learn more. That's prairie-care.com. Well, hello, my friends, and a big welcome here into this episode of the Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast. My name is Brian Pyatt. I am your host. And wherever you are at in this this wild journey that we call life, um, I'm so glad that you're here and uh, know that, that we hold space for whatever you bring into into this space, whatever you're maneuvering today. I'm just so glad that you're here. Uh, on the episode here today, we are talking about a, a form of, of treatment that is, is really, as I learned, showing some promise when it comes to treatment-resistant depression, um, also being used to treat some other things as well, but we kind of focus more on depression here in this episode. Um, we're talking about transcranial magnetic stimulation, and it's also often referred to as TMS. Um, I had actually never really heard of this before before we did this episode, but uh, we have Dr. Suzanne Jasberg, a psychiatrist at Prairie Care here in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, on the episode who is doing really, really beautiful work with this treatment. Um, and, and she joins us to tell us what it is, kind of break that down for us, explain to us how it works, who's eligible for, for this kind of treatment, and, and much more. Um, really on this, on this podcast, absolutely an intention running through all of the episodes that we do is to, to really talk about the many different ways that people are utilizing so many different things when it comes to maneuvering and managing their mental health. And, um, as I learned throughout this process, TMS has been something that's been really, really helpful for a lot of people. And so I'm excited to bring you this conversation today. I want to give a big thank you again to Dr. Jasberg for taking time out of her very, very busy schedule to talk and fill us in. And without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this conversation with Dr. Suzanne Jasberg. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to, to have the conversation. And I, I want to really kick this off with with talking more about your story, how you've kind of landed here in, in this, this position. As I understand it, you went to medical school without the intention of working in mental health. 
Is that right? Right. It wasn't really on my radar. Um, I always loved science, and I liked helping people. Mm-hmm. So being a doctor made sense. You know, you're you're in your undergrad and you're trying to decide sort of, well, first of all, I was maybe going to be a band teacher and that didn't nice. end up <laughs> working out. Um, you're in your, you know, you're in your labs and you're trying to decide like, do you want to pipette for the rest of your life and do basic science research, which is really interesting. But yep. the other kind of avenue people usually go down is some sort of the health sciences route. Yeah. And being a doctor appealed because you were able to apply the science in a way that was sort of in real time helping mm-hmm. people. But when I got to medical school, I'd you know, I'd majored in biochemistry, so I was thinking I would do something that was more like endocrinology or rheumatology or something that really focused a lot on enzymes and proteins and things like that. But um, so your first two years are, you know, basic science. And then your second two years in medical school, you're going through the rotations and you're sort of testing out each specialty. Yeah. And when I was on my psychiatry rotation, I just found myself super interested, super happy And I think what I realized then in other rotations is that the most difficult patients, and often it seemed like the sickest patients on your internal medicine rotation or your surgery rotation, were people with under-treated mental health diagnoses. Mm. And it just became very apparent that if your brain isn't working, none of the rest of it can work very well. Mm. And you can make the brain better, and you can make the brain better really quickly, but it seemed the most relevant to somebody's overall health. Because if you're really depressed and can't get out of bed, you're not going to be making it to your diabetes follow-up or whatever. Yeah. Or if you're totally floridly psychotic, you're not going to be able to manage all these other areas of your life to keep yourself healthy. So um, it really appealed from a whole person standpoint to make sure that you work on somebody's brain first. Yeah. And then really amazing, right, how that can be the ripple effects of that, of giving attention to somebody's mental health not only is going to help their mental health, but it sounds like from what you're saying can also impact other areas of their well-being as well. Right. Yeah. It's powerful stuff. And obviously there's been a whole path for you to, to land here at, at Prairie Care. And, and I know part of what we're going to be talking about and kind of focusing on a lot today is, is this conversation around treatment resistance depression and and I know some treatment that that you all are having some success with but I just want to start with when we talk about like treatment resistant depression what exactly does that mean so by definition what that means and it's slightly misleading right because we do treat people with treatment resistant depression and get them better so yeah but it means that they've undergone a course of psychotherapy so they've done talk therapy and mm-hmm. they've also tried generally speaking four medicines okay. from two different classes of medicines and so once you've hit that criteria you can technically be termed treatment resistant okay and this is something that i would imagine can be really a tough thing to go through right i mean there's d- depression in and of itself really hard and then when you layer on, you've, you've done a lot of work and you've, you've worked really hard to get yourself better and you're not seeing results. Right. Um, really frustrating. And yeah. one of the symptoms of depression is hopelessness. Yeah. And then to have gone through treatments that haven't worked just really builds on that hopelessness. Yeah. And a lot of people come for their evaluation and, you know, they're there. They want to know the information, but the, the thought that it could work for them is really hard for them to Mm. even imagine. Yeah. How do you help people through that? 
Well, you validate that experience, right? And I think it's helpful when you've seen so many patients that feel that exact same way. You can share that with people, right? Yeah. And then you share the data with them. You know, yes, the likelihood of the seventh, eighth, ninth medicine working is not zero, but it's relatively low. Mm -hmm. But the likelihood of TMS working is somewhere probably at least in the 60% range. And we do see people get better. And if it doesn't work, there still are other things that we can do. Yeah. I like to tell people I'm probably the most stubborn doctor you'll ever meet. Like, I'm not going to give up. We'll keep trying things. Mm. But this is a good next step. Yeah. And so you mentioned TMS, mm-hmm. which is, as I understand it, short for transcranial magnetic stimulation. Correct. I'd never heard of this before I connected with you. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that maybe have never heard of it as well. Um, just starting off, what what is it? So it's a treatment for depression that uses energy, right? So there's two strategies to treat depression. One is to target the neurochemistry of the brain, and that's what the medicines are trying to do. Keep a little bit more neurotransmitter in the synapse, for example, change nerve conduction, whatever, mm-hmm. by targeting the chemistry of the brain. But in some people, that just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Or some people have too many side effects and they can't tolerate the medicines. So another strategy to target depression is to target the neurocircuitry of the brain. So you do that by adding energy to the brain. The most intense form of that type of treatment is ECT, which um, uses current and delivers electro- delivers energy from one electrode to the other, and the brain has a seizure in that process, and that treats depression. And it works well, but it requires general anesthesia. Somebody has to take care of you, and it has the potential to cause some memory loss. Mm-hmm. So the idea behind TMS was to try to deliver energy to the brain in a way that didn't have those side effects. Okay. So rather than using a um, direct current, it uses induction. So it has a magnetic field essentially in this helmet that if you alternate the magnetic field in a certain way, you can induce energy into the brain with no electron flow. Mm. So it's a gentler form of energy delivery. There's no anesthesia. There's no memory loss. Okay. So a lot of people would prefer to do that prior to moving on to something like ECT. And ECT stands for what? Electroconvulsive therapy. Okay. Okay. And that's been around for a long time. It's been around for a long time. It's very different than it used to be. Okay. It's a very calm and safe procedure. Yeah. It works really well, but there are side effects. Yeah. Because it, it, that just that word in and, in and of itself seems like it could be kind of jarring for some people. Yeah. 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 And yet you're saying that it's, it's, it's evolved. It's evolved a lot. Over yep. the years. Yeah. And yet TMS, what we're talking about today, not that. Not different, that. kind of a whole different ballgame right. that we're talking about. It's in a clinic. It's in a clinic room. It's You're awake the whole time. There's, like I said, no anesthesia, no memory loss. It's much less intense. So who's who's eligible to, to get this treatment? So right now it's approved in adults. It's not approved in kids yet. Um, so okay. 18 plus. And... Generally speaking, it's appropriate for people who meet that treatment-resistant criteria. So they've undergone a course of psychotherapy, and they've been on at least four different medicines at good doses for adequate trials that either haven't worked or have been intolerable. Okay. A lot of times you have people who have been on 30 medicines. Yeah. But four is the minimum criteria. Okay. And how how often are you coming in for treatment? How long does, does treatment tend to last? So that varies a little bit depending on what device the doctor would have, but we have a deep TMS devices. 
So the treatment is 20 minutes long. Okay. And it's five days a week for about eight weeks. So 36, 37 treatments. Okay. Is this expensive? It's covered by insurance. Okay. So we always evaluate people and get insurance coverage before we start. Okay. And do people tend to, are, do people tend to see results quickly with this? Is this something that's kind of more of a gradual thing over time that, that accumulates? Sort of depends on the patient and the degree of treatment resistance and a little bit maybe depending on age. Um, but generally speaking, after about the first month is when people start to feel better. We do have people that feel better within the first couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but I think most people get the majority of benefit kind of in the second half of treatment. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more. I know you touched on this as far as like what's happening in the brain when this is happening. So there's magnetic situation. That's a very medical term that I'm using right there, but like a magnetic thing happening that's around kind of going around the head, around the brain. And it, and it's, it's sending waves into the brain. That's kind of shifting the, the, the circuitry of the brain. Is that yeah, it's all adding, in the right ballpark of what I'm yeah, saying? It's adding energy to the brain, mostly to the left dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. So this left front part of your brain, our machine delivers a little bit of energy to the right side, but the majority is kind of this left front part of your brain, yeah. which is involved in a lot of circuit loops and problem solving and executive functioning and all of that. And that sort of down regulates in depression. Okay. And so you're trying to essentially turn it back on mm. by delivering energy to that area of the brain. Then it's going to utilize medication better. It's going you're going to get better effect in the psychotherapy that you're doing. All of that if you're adding functionality back to parts of the brain that have downregulated. So you're really trying to kind of bring those parts of the brain back online mm-hmm. that have not been online Correct. for a while for these people. Mm-hmm. Um, as a doctor, when you start seeing people improve. What's that like for you in those moments when you start to see some results from this? I mean, that's obviously the rewarding part of the job, right? Um, People improve slowly usually. And sometimes they'll say things like, my sleep is better. Or that pile of bills in the kitchen, I finally did them. Yeah. Or I noticed I was having fun at the birthday party, right? Or um, my family thinks I have more energy or I seem lighter or more motivated or, yeah. or whatever that might be. It's, so it's usually small things that improve kind of sequentially. Not everyone gets better at the same pace, right? Yep. Some people might have better energy and better motivation before they start enjoying things. Some people may be the opposite way around. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really cool when at the end of treatment, people are like, I feel the best I've ever felt in my life. Mm. Yeah. Cause they've tried a lot of things mm-hmm. up until this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and within Prairie care, you're doing this at, is it multiple locations within Prairie care that's offering TMS or how, how do people kind of get in touch with, you know, if they are interested in doing this with you at Prairie care, how does that process tend to work? Yeah. So we, we have two sites as of today, actually. Nice. Um, so we have two chairs in Edina in our, in our office space in Edina and then one in our office space in Woodbury, mm. um, which is really nice because we were having people drive from even western Wisconsin all the way over here for treatment. Mm. The The resources just aren't there. Um, but we, we start with an evaluation. So either okay. the patient contacts Prairie Care interested in TMS and we do a little bit of screening. There's some um, exclusion criteria, meaning there are some 
things that you it wouldn't be safe to do TMS. For example, if you have uh, a shrapnel in your head or mm. you have a history of seizures or certain things like that, you would not be able to safely do TMS. So we do sort of initial screening to make sure that you're a likely candidate and then bring you in for an evaluation. So you'd sit down with one of the TMS docs and talk through your history, talk through what the treatments are, mm-hmm. talk through whether or not you meet criteria for this. And if it's something that you want to do, we, you know, explain what the procedure is, explain the risks and benefits, all of that. Mm-hmm. And if that all checks out and it's something that the patient is interested in, we submit to insurance, get approval, and then we have, um, you start treatment. Yeah. And does it, do you actually, so when you're going through treatment, do you feel it? Like, do you feel something happening oh, yeah. to you? Okay. So it, it delivers stimulation in a series of pulses mm. and then a break for 20 seconds and then another series of pulses and a break. It's, it's not meant to be painful, but it is an intense feeling. Everyone sort of describes it as feeling like a woodpecker pecking on your head, mm. which no one has ever experienced, but that's what everyone says. Yeah. Um, and it kind of has that woodpecker type sound to it when the stimulation okay. goes off. It's rather loud. So we have our patients wear earplugs. We yeah. have um, bone conducting headphones and a big tablet so you can watch TED Talks, listen to music, something distracting during the treatment. Yeah. Do, does, do you find that is there resistance to this kind of treatment from people that you talk to? Like, oh my gosh, what am I about to do to my myself? Or, you know, because just kind of going back to, I would imagine a lot of people's minds do jump to like electroshock therapy and things like that, that probably in the media and, you know, things like that, it can be portrayed as this like, whoa, big, big deal. So I'm just curious if that, did you find that that trickles down to people that you work with, kind of some initial hesita- hesitation? Yeah, I mean, we talk through, what the treatment is, what it feels like, how it's different than ECT, and all of that in the initial eval. Um, And then we're in the room when the treatment starts. So so the way the first appointment works is you have this cap with a ruler on it so we can orient ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And then you take the machine and you deliver single pulses around their head looking for the area of brain that moves their thumb. Mm. So there's a lot of cortex dedicating to have, dedicated to having opposable thumbs. Yeah. So you can find that with the machine. So you are delivering these single pulses, find the area that moves their thumb the best. Then you reduce hmm. the n- amount of energy until you find the least amount of energy that moves their thumb. And that gives you a starting dose and an orientation point. The treatment is forward from that. You wouldn't want to stimulate the motor strip. You could cause a seizure from doing that. Yeah. You stimulate the dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex, which is in front of that. But we, the doctor is doing that whole mapping procedure, sort of gets the patient used to what the machine sounds like, what it feels like to have the helmet on their head, all of that. And then we watch the first few treatments, make sure that we don't even need to make adjustments, make sure that it's tolerable and that the person feels comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of things we can do to make it feel better. Okay. Um, and we always stay in the room until, because a technician also is in the room the entire time of the, the treatment. Time. But we always stay in the room to make sure that we're, that people are feeling comfortable. Yeah. Mental health is is so much more at the forefront now. Um, so many people are, you know, who are listening to this are on their own unique journey with a number of different things when it comes to to their mental health. As, as somebody in this space, working day in and day out with people who are, are struggling with that, do you have a sense of, of, of just what is, what's going on? Why, why so many people are, are struggling right now? 
I mean, depression is really common. Yeah. Right? Um, we don't talk about it enough, but tons of people have been depressed in their life. Yeah. I think part of it is that people are talking a little bit more about it. Sure. Not enough, right? And I also think the pandemic has been really hard on people. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the stress that people have endured on a day-to-day basis, trying to keep themselves safe and manage their life in the setting of a pandemic, the isolation, mm-hmm. none of that has been good for people's mental health. Yeah. Um, so we're busy, and I think that's part of the reason. Yeah. Are you noticing? So things are busy right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's that been like? You're noticing a real uptick in demand for, for your services? Yes. Okay. And people are also, I think sicker than they used to be right um either they aren't accessing the services as fast as they could have before or they have been neglecting a lot of things with COVID, hoping it just goes away and eventually you know get in to see a doctor and they're just sicker than they used to be Mm -hmm. um so yeah we're really busy i mean we want to be busy we go to medical school to help people we don't want to sit in our offices doing nothing yeah but yeah it's been stressful i bet and what's that look like for you taking care of yourself as you're showing up for your clients? I think you have to be mindful of, you know, taking breaks, you know, yeah. practicing good self-care, getting good sleep, yep. eating healthy, that kind of generic yeah. stuff. But then also reaching out to your own friends. You know, I have good friends who are also psychiatrists mm-hmm. who were able, who understand what your day-to-day life is like and, you yeah. know, when you say, this, this is a hard day, they yeah. know what that means. And, yeah. you know, having a good support system like that is helpful too. Is it harder to actually do that, for, like for yourself? Like, like you're, I would imagine you're good at telling your clients <laughs> to do those things, to take care of their mental health, actually doing it for yourself. Does it feel different? Of course it's harder, right? Yeah. Like you tell your patients eat healthy and then you go home and warm up a yeah. <laughs> microwave dinner or whatever it is. Yeah. But um, you just do your best. Yeah, you do your best for sure. What do you want to say to, to anyone out, out there listening here today who is um, having a hard time? Maybe it's, you know, kind of in line with some of this, you know, they've, they've been working and working and working to get better and they just feel like they're kind of running out of options or it's been really hard to see improvement. What would you want that person to hear out there today? That there are people there to help you, that, will, that there is hope, that there are treatments that work and people that are honestly dedicated to trying to figure out what the treatment is that you need yeah. and we'll stick with you through that. I like to tell people you have a team here, you know, we're, we're here to help you and we won't give up. Mm. So let us do that part and we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't thank you enough for, for taking the time to connect, to, to fill us in. I learned a lot. This is something I didn't really know anything about going into this conversation. And so thanks for, for being willing to educate all of us. And um, just thanks for all the work that you're doing day in and day out in the midst of some pretty busy um, circumstances, it sounds like. So thank you. Thanks for advocating for mental health. Absolutely. (laughs) And once again, a huge thank you to Dr. Jazzberg for taking some time to join us here on the podcast. Um, I'm going to put in the show notes of this episode the link to the Prairie Care website where you can learn more about the Center for Neurotherapeutics has some more information on that link about TMS and and some options for you to kind of dig deeper into this if this is something that you are interested in exploring. So 
Um, thanks for being here, my friends. As always, take what serves you from this chat. Go ahead and leave the rest. And whatever you're maneuvering out there, uh, an invitation, a reminder to take it all one day, one moment at a time, and be really, really gentle with yourself every step of the way. So we will talk to you soon. Thanks for being here and take care.